and welcome to another episode of Troubled, A Return to Haven. This is a rewatch podcast dedicated to the sci-fi channel show called Haven, based on the Stephen King novella, The Colorado Kid. Uh, it's been 10 years since the show started, and that's why we made a return to Haven. I'm one of your hosts, Alex French. And I'm the co-host, Rich, more importantly, known as Alex's dad. And uh, thanks for returning to Haven with us. If you want to find out where to reach us and stuff, we'll have that all at the end of the episode or in the show notes, like episode discussions. You can find all that information and the uh, following links that we'll be talking about in our outro. So last episode, episode two, we kind of changed the format. We're going to stick with that. So we'll do a, like a brief outline of the episode real quick. Then, you know, discussion questions. And at the end, last time we did a 10-minute segment on the like opening to the show. This time we're going to do just a little Stephen King dedicated moment to talk about fun facts, trivia, and whatnot. Let's just get rolling right into the outline for episode three, Harmony. Episode starts. We're with Audrey and Nathan Wright. They're just kind of talking. She's, you know, here to stay about the troubles. She doesn't want to admit that she's into it but nathan's kind of you know and they're joking around all that and when we get a call for uh in an incident at the psychiatric hospital right or do we get a little stinger for before we get a little it, it opens at at the freddy so. oh, okay well tell us about that so uh it opens up at the freddy the murray q frederickson psychiatric facility though they just call it the freddy which is totally uh you know sounds like a king name so i give them credit for that and we we see there have uh you know some patients who are catatonic and then uh someone who looks very schizophrenic at a piano and with her and we find out that's uh, lily and her husband ray and all of a sudden there's a big crash and it's pandemonium and uh the doctor has gone in insane and he is rampaging and uh three patients escape he takes the uh orderly and the doctor throws him through the window and that's what leads to nathan and audrey being called Ryan, he gets a call over the radio from who? Laverne. So I think this is the first time we hear uh, Laverne's uh, smoky style voice and silk, silky stylings on, uh, <laughs> on the dispatch. And just as a side note, she's actually one of the producers and she does the voice. Uh, and she's like, you know, isn't she in all like moving forward in a lot of episodes when they get dispatch calls? It's Laverne, right? Right. Yeah. They, they really like her voice. They had commented specifically how they liked it. And uh, she, she will be, you know, she'll be playing a part in the show, but never seen. Kind of similar to Diane from Twin Peaks, except actually heard. Moving on from that, they what so Nathan and Audrey show up at the at the Freddy. Yeah. So a doctor. Uh, so, you know, they're like, who's causing all this chaos, like from the orderly? And she's like, oh, it's the doctor. Uh, so Dr. Lucchese, right? Correct. Correct. Lost his temper. <laughs> is a mild way of saying it. He's throwing people through windows and some expertly done stunt scenes. Audrey and Nathan are approaching, doing the FBI approach. You know, Audrey, you know, going in stealthy. But what's the way they, they have a specific way of taking them out, right? Which looks kind of suspect on a sci-fi show. Yeah. Uh, how do they take them out? So the way they take them out is, uh, and this was inspired by King Kong. So, uh, funny thing, Audrey and Nathan then uh, get some glass bottles of ether and they start throwing them in there. And uh, the, uh, the creators and the writers, they uh, joke about how Nathan was directed to throw like a girl and uh, so that Audrey's <laughs> was better. And they're like, Audrey really can toss it, but Nathan's looked horrible. They said, uh, they said his looked horrible, but... It didn't look as bad after editing, but yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. And that's what takes down Doc, it, it, it is the, the ether. 
would that like kill him do you think like is that safe like i've heard like chloroform is causes a lot of more damage than movies make it seem is it like would the ether just well, knock him out and he'd be okay or what well it's it's three bottles of it and uh it's just i, I think theoretically you know with a, the amount of space in the room i mean i i have a surprise he went down that fast to be honest with you i thought it would take a little more time to get get to him so i mean he'd pr- probably be okay but then he'd probably collapse right into all the glass and cut his face off <laughs> You know, and shit, so. You never tested this out as a pharmacy tech or working in healthcare? No, no, no. I, I used to spend my time when I was hungry eating fluoride tablets, which uh, <laughs> you eat enough of them, you will get sick. Yeah, I thought the game, uh, I know when, we, when I worked in an equipment room for like film gear, one of the jokes, one of the joke games there was, was to take an empty case of the lens and throw it to a, not that I ever, I never did it, but it was you throw a case with a really expensive lens at a new person work, a new tech and see them freak out and try to catch it and uh, it coming open, even though there's nothing in there. Surprised you guys didn't do that with the ether. Just toss a bottle of ether at each other and see if the new guy can catch it. Oh, what we used to do was much, uh, much better. <laughs> for us uh, we would uh when i was in a combat support hospital the one i deployed to somalia in what we would do is we had this hurricane spray which was uh, uh an aerosol spray of lidocaine <laughs> so we would spray the rims of people's coffee mugs and then they would drink <laughs> wow. it and their lips would go numb and they start dribbling coffee down onto their, their oh my god it's hilarious <laughs> hilarious i uh, had some pissed off people but uh, everyone who was in on the joke loved it then another thing we'd do is take someone common who was part of the hospital unit but wasn't medical and mm-hmm. ask them to go get supplies. So you'd say, hey, go to the OR and, and, and get fallopian tubes. And then the person would go over there and get, I'm here for fallopian tubes. And they'd be like, <laughs> sterile or non-sterile, you got to know. And then he runs back, sterile, non-sterile, sterile. And then finally the third time they let them know they were just messing with yeah. them. Yeah, so, yeah I think we, we had a non-existent item we'd send a new person to find. Uh, I don't remember what it was even called. I think it was, but we had a similar thing. I feel like every, you know, mechanics have like headlight fluid, right? Everybody's got <laughs> yeah. one. Okay, back back on track. So they get there, They con- the doctor, they knock him out. He gets strapped up. Uh, they see the green goo on the floor, assume that's what's doing it. And then they what, go looking for the two missing patients, right? Right. They go look for William and uh, I call him the flower guy until I watched the commentary. I finally figured out his name was Mr. Speary. I, I missed it like twice. And they only say it like twice. Yeah. William, a.k.a. LeBron James, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, he's a regular LeBron James as the ball hits his chest and hits the floor. Yeah, the nurse, the only... One, one of the only two black guys we've seen in Haven, the nurses, already compares him to LeBron James. Uh, which, positive note that this is the first time we have any minorities in the show uh got two black guys finally uh the first two episodes were uh, you know probably typical of maine but i think it shows its age compared to 2020 where you're not going to see as much of a lack of diversity in tv as we did right, in 2010 right and there are more characters that down the down the line you know but no nah, mm-hmm. probably not as many as you would see uh today uh, but there is one funny thing about uh about the freddy so the freddy is named after murray uh frederickson so i guess uh murray was a local car sit- car salesman and uh he just up and you know, one day uh, up and declared that i can breathe under water like a fish and then disappeared under the sea <laughs> so audrey asked well was that during the troubles and nathan deadpans no he was just crazy but we do have mermaids in the intro don't we so we, who knows we do 
Oh yeah, I, I won't be getting any spoilers, but yeah. <laughs> uh, keep, just a, keep just your a eye tease, open. just a tease. Uh, so then, two of the they go looking for those two patients. They find them. We'll get to the third patient in a second. They find the two patients in a backyard. Williams is jumping on a trampoline, and what's uh, Speary? Speary, yeah, he's, Speary? He's, he's got two, and that's the reason why I call him Flower Guy because he's got like two flowers, you know, one behind each ear. And he, he's all happy, smiling, <laughs> watching William. Uh, watching William have fun with the kid on the trampoline. So that's why I started doubling him flower guy. Cause he was yeah. so happy. He had a guy, guy really had a good smile. And he knows a lot about flowers. William's jumping around when they're normally like fairly catatonic. What Audrey and Nathan approach him thinking they might be dangerous, but they're pretty cool. And they're trying to explain everything until they go back to right. being catatonic. Right. At the Freddy. Right. So they get to the Freddy and right before um, Mr. Speary, flower guy, goes back to catatonic, he kind of, he's like gaping at, uh, at Audrey and he, uh, he says, uh, daisies, snapdragons, orchids. And then he just like collapses back into catatonic and she catches him. And then uh, Nathan catches William. And yeah, Dr. LaCasey, our psycho doctor, got King Konged, uh, comes back and he's normalized and is like, oh yeah, I can explain, you know, something happened. I was experimenting with some drugs, uh, but we need to find the third patient, uh, Lily, right? Lily, correct. And so we find Lily has gone back to her home with her, where her husband is. Uh, He had been visiting her in the hospital before everything went crazy, like right as everything was going crazy. Excuse me. And uh, she has severe OCD. She's a musician who, when she doesn't write everything perfectly, starts to kind of get violent and a little... I was going to say violent again. Yeah, destructive is a better word. Uh, not yeah. using the same word to describe the same thing. Uh, she gets violent, destructive. So that's why she is institutionalized. And she's kind of back to normal. Ray, you know, is surprised by and he tries to... Yeah, it's a little it's a little misleading because kind of when she is in her schizophrenic manic mode, she's scribbling because she's writing music and, you know, scribbling. And when he comes in, she's at, at the fridge with a piece of paper and she, she's writing. Now, it's not frantic or anything, but, you know, and then he's like, are you okay? And she, she's like, I think I'm okay. And then he's like blown away. And uh, Yeah. Or is it like I a think, grocery list? Probably. Right, because he's got, she goes through like a one, one beer yeah. packets, you know, like a typical single guy who doesn't have a, an intelligent uh, lady in his life keeping them, keeping them straight. Don't ask what my fridge looks like. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Eventually, though, she returns back to her original state, right? And as Audrey and Nathan kind of come looking for them, uh, she's escaped. She's escaped and is running wild in the town now that she's kind of returned to her OCD nature. And Ray, you know, teams up with the cops to go find her. And so they split up. Audrey wants to go with Dr. Lucchese and figure out, you know, what was up with the drugs, whereas Nathan goes with Ray to find Lily. Let's start with Audrey, right? Because it's kind of happening a little simultaneously, but this one ends a lot quicker. So we'll just start, we'll just knock this one out real quick. It's like Audrey and the doctor go back to the Freddy to investigate the drugs he was making, which leads to a completely fucking insane scene. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Is that, you know, he goes and he's like, yeah, this is the drug I was making, um, setting up a new dosage, and then locks Audrey out of the room and spills it intention, spills the whole beaker. Rather than just like a sample, he spills all of it in the room intending on recreating his psychotic super strength rampage from earlier which has no effect he has, it turns out it wasn't the drug so we need to start looking elsewhere for the results or for the the reason behind every, yeah. the thing that's changing people 
and I think we'll we'll probably revisit the scene, uh, you know, after after the summary and and that because uh, there are some takes on this from me and from the uh, from the creators and, and the writers. They, they did uh-huh. specifically mention this 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 part because I definitely see what you're saying. Uh, it's preposterous, but it didn't work. But at one note, Audrey does notice that there's surveillance camera, so there's oh, footage. Yeah. So that, that's where they're, that's where they're going to go next. Oh and, yeah, that's right. Cause they see that William, AKA LeBron James picked up the basketball before the drugs spilled. So therefore it can't be the drugs. Yeah. So it's someone else. Not, not only did he pick it up, man, he was doing like a crossover. It was, you know, between the legs and everything <laughs> on carpet. On carpet. And, yeah. uh, it, and it was before slightly before the tray of drugs smashed on the floor. So you know, yeah. that's what they see at each at, at, at Haven PD. We cut back to Nathan and Ray. Going into the scupper, Ray heads in without Nathan because Nathan's got to talk to Duke, who's buying a swordfish, like a yeah, like a uh, like a wall-mounted swordfish, yeah. swordfish that you know for like, and it, it, it's just a silly scene, you know. Yeah, yeah. Duke's got his uh, kind of shit-eating grin on, and that, and, and as all almost every conversation between them devolves uh, into bitterness. Yes, and then uh, Duke finally asks Nathan if he's told Audrey that he's not a real boy, you know, and does the nose thing like Pinocchio. Probably my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> that was, that was good. That was good. I was glad for Duke to be back. And I, I know we're going to talk more, more about this mm-hmm. later. Well, you know, what we think th- certain things mean and all of that, but yeah, Nathan does as usual, just start, you know, antagonizing, on, antagonizing <laughs> on him. And, uh, and I'll talk about, you know, but one interesting thing real quick, just to kind of think about yeah. this and go along is uh, multiple times uh, Duke calls nathan nate you know and like i said we'll talk more about that later it's just that that i made definitely made a note of that because i hadn't heard anyone else call him nate are you someone who shortens people's names because i definitely worked with a nathan that i would call nate and i don't know if like that you know it's always it's always dodgy if they like it or not. It's it's different. I think some of it's generational and some and some of it's definitely regional. Growing up in Wisconsin in the you know my my, my formative years were the eighties. You know, I graduated high school mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety, and during that time in in the Midwest, you know, no one went by their full name. You never said, "Hey, there's Jonathan," you know, and there's <laughs> Stephen. No, they would say, like, you know, we all called ourselves like me, Rich. I'm Rich, but. Is my name Rich to my family? No, I'm Richie. And uh, my best friend is Joey. You know, we even have a friend <laughs> named Scott. We would call him Scotty. Steve was Stevie. That's just this thing they, they did in the, in the Midwest, and no one called by a full name. Now, later in life, I started meeting people like 10 years younger than me who insist on me called Jonathan. And it's Jeffrey, you have a right to, right? You have a right to you know, what, however you want your name to be. And, I, you know, I, I'll respect that. And I struggle with it sometimes, and I slip, and I start calling some people. I got a friend named Michael who's like 30, and he likes to call Michael. Every now and then I slip, and I call him Mike, and he likes me. So, you know, he doesn't have a lot of friends, so he can't really be picked <laughs> You know, I honestly never even considered that Joey was like, I never thought of his name being Joseph or Joe. It's only ever been like Joey in my mind. Or is and it you, not? Is it not you, Joseph? You are correct, sir. Oh. His first certificate is Joey Michael. And so it actually is Joey? His, his legal first <laughs> name is Joey, always has been. And I always teased him and I'd ask his parents, uh, you know, both who have passed, you know, God rest their souls. I'd be like, okay, if you name the first name Joey instead of Joseph, why isn't it Joey Mike? <laughs> Why do you decide to go full name for the middle name? I mean, it's my best friend of 40 years. And I'm like, what? This, it, it has never made sense. And, uh, but yeah, he's the only person I've ever met whose legal 
first name is Joey. I mean, I knew a I'm kid. Sure there's more out there. I knew a kid whose like legal name, birth certificate name was Alex rather than Alexander, which like yeah, it, you know, it's not like Joe. I think Joey's Joey's more interesting. I never heard of somebody's like birth certificate name being Joey. No, no, it's. Uh, I found out when we went to Little League. We we signed up for Little League. You got to bring <laughs> your birth certificate. That's when I learned. They're just really big fans of kangaroos. Yes. Uh, yes. They're well-traveled, uh, the, the, the parents. After Nate and Duke's uh, conversation, Nathan kind of heads in to the scupper, right? Is it a bar? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bar with the piano, the, the okay. shiny scupper. Yeah. yeah. So they go into the scupper, and Lily's in there trying to compose her new masterpiece and getting frustrated, and Ray kind of sits down with her. And uh, they're touching the keys a bit when the effect happens again the thing the thing that happens before that and i'm sorry i, I missed this was uh you know ray has a very personal and conversation with right. nathan about what, what happened why she's in that state and it's really important because she was record companies were interested in her you know and he was pushing her you know to let's you know follow your heart get your music and so they were gonna they were driving up to a recording studio and he lost control of the car. They went into the river and uh, he, he got out, but she didn't get out till I think six or eight minutes later. And, uh, you know, and the icy water probably saved her life, kept her, kept her alive to slow her heart down, but she's never been the same ever since. And he clearly blames himself, which is one of those things that sucks because yeah, he's right. He is, it is his fault, <laughs> but you know, he didn't never meant to intend to do it to hurt the person he loves the most in the world. So, you know, so all this time Ray is, you know, this is Ray's filter. This is what he's seeing everything through. So it might explain things as we go on. So the effect happens. Um, we kind of cut to Duke working on his boat, right? Yeah, right Nathan, yeah. Nate, you know, We'll talk the the scene. Shirtless Duke is working real hard on the boat, and uh, Nathan comes up attacking him. And oh, I think uh, first he verbal kind of, kind of like a verbal assault, you know? Yeah. You take, you take from people, and then it gets then it gets physical, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and Nathan is throttling him. I, it actually looked like Nathan, you know, yeah, was choking him. Well, right. Audrey tased him because we skipped a part that Audrey and the doctor showed up to the scupper, found the chaos. And uh, she realizes Nathan's gone and figures where he's going to go is to go attack Duke. So she tases him. That takes him out, asks Duke, hey, watch over him while I, like, look around. And I think that's where we finally figure out, right, that, like, they're like, oh, you know, Lily did this. But, you know, now they're figuring out that Ray, right, is that if it's – or do they still think it's Lily? It's not till it's not till they get okay. back to the boat. She, right. she still thinks it's – because she doesn't know – she just assumed that Lily would be the one playing – so when she gets right. back to the boat and Nathan is, uh, as Duke said when he called her, to, that he, Sleeping Beauty, has uh, woken up. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's when, like, the audience probably figures it out is what I, I guess what, what I was thinking is that, like, the first time you see her playing the piano in the very beginning, so you're kind of like, oh, I think it's this Lily lady. But then this time you see the camera yeah. really focuses on Ray hitting the keys on the piano. And that's when I was like, oh, you know, they still want us to think it's her, but it's him starting. Right. Out. But, you know, it's the formula. You know, you got to yeah. go through two Bait. false positives. Yeah. yeah, bait us a couple of times and then, you know, but you weren't Switch. expecting this. You know, Nathan had his little rampage, uh, revealed a lot of him and Duke's not good relationship. Uh, and Ray escapes with Lily and they need to find out where he is, right? Um, and Duke knows, doesn't he? But he doesn't want to tell. They figure out that uh, based on a picture they have of uh, Ray and Lily in front of a you know, on a ship, the Caprice. So they figure out 
that they must be at the boat. The boat was uh, Ray's grandfather's from when he had the family crashed ashore in, in Haven. They want to find the boat. No one can find it, but Duke, with his background in smuggling and all of that, he knows where the boat is. Yeah, but he wants to be taken along. He, he insists he won't give him the information until till he's taken along. But right. in between the time they, they get there, we end up back at, at the Caprice. And while we're there, Ray and Lily are, you know, chatting it up. Lily's not happy that he's hurting people to get her back, back to normal. She doesn't think it's right or fair, but then she starts going into one of her fits. So Ray pulls out his guitar and starts, starts playing and she comes back to lucidity. But problem is Doc Lucchese just arrived and he goes back to Rampage Lucchese. This fucking doctor. First, I don't even know where to begin with this doctor, but yeah, sneaking up on the boat where the guy, if you hear his musical instruments, will drive you insane. So they get there to the Caprice, the, the, the Haven crew. She's there, but Ray and the doctor are gone. And the doctor's kidnapped Ray, is taking him back to the hospital to operate on his brain, right? Because he wants to know the secret to like healing people. Right. Uh, he, he, want, he wants to find a cure to Alzheimer's and other conditions like that because yeah. he clearly has, you know, expressed earlier he'd lost uh, watching yeah. a family member waste away like that. And he's seen other people do that. So his heart is in the right place, comes from good intent. But, you know, you, when you're all jacked up on someone else's uh, rage roids. Yeah. So Audrey uses her superpower of de-escalation, calms him down enough to hit him with the defibrillator, takes him out. Before that, uh, before that, Nathan like uh, loads his gun, and then Audrey's like, "Hey, hey, he's a, he, he's a good doc. He's a good man. Why you got?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's also crazy as a crap house rat, <laughs> outhouse rat. Damn it, I fucked up the line. He's as crazy as an outhouse rat." Damn. So if you were auditioning for Nathan, you wouldn't that you're done from that. No, I can grow real sideburns. <laughs> yeah, but you can't connect it to the rest of the beard. Thanks <laughs> for those beard, genes. Yeah. So they, uh, you know, they stop them, and it seems like we got to kind of put Lily back in the institute, and, key, and Ray can't play music anymore, except everybody's kind of feeling bad for them, right? So they decide to sneak Lily, Ray, William, the basketball player, and Mr. Flower Guy. I already forgot his name. Mr. Uh, Mr. Flower Guy. Let's go with that. They sneak the four of them out to a boat, right? Right. And they're going to kind of like let him go. Uh, so Ray can play music for them to keep their sanity while they're away from everybody and they're not a danger to society anymore. And, and then the, the only doc when it's, when it's safe, you know. So. Yeah. One very vital thing happens, right? We finally, we finally figure out why the flower guy was, uh, you know, uh, astonished by Audrey when he first saw her. They're getting ready to leave. He, he explains to her, I got to, you know, he's like, I got to apologize for just gazing at you, but you're the spitting image of someone I sold flowers to 23 years ago. I think he said 23 years. And, uh, well, wouldn't it be X amount? It may, may have been years ago, but then he, but yeah. then he says, I don't remember faces in that. He goes, I remember flowers. So you look like someone I, I sold flowers to a long time ago. Daisies, snapdragons, orchids. You know, so the, the ship's leaving. It's already pulling off. So Audrey's running and she's like, you know, I got more questions. And, like, and he's like, was this around 1983? And he says, yeah, it was. And then she's like, do you remember her name? And, and kind of at the point where it'd be the last point you could hear anything from the flower guy. Lucy, I believe her name was Lucy. And we got her name. So we got a name for the woman in the Colorado Kid photograph who Audrey believes to be her mother at this point in time. And that's kind of where we leave off, right? Well, we get a conversation with her and Duke and her and Nathan. 
kind of still, you know, we're in that love triangle where Duke's like, don't tell people I'm a good guy. What was her and Nathan's conversation about? Her her and Nathan's conversation was about, you know, she, uh, yeah. she shares, you know, that the name was Lucy. And he's, you know, and, uh, and they talk about, and she, and, and she admits that she does, she, she gets kind of turned on by, by the troubles and helping these, helping these people. Nathan says, you want to fix them. And then, and then she's, and then he says, maybe somebody can fix me. And of course you got to get the, there is no one who can fix Nathan type of thing. <laughs> okay. And that's it for episode three. How did this compare to you for episode? How did this compare to episode two for you? Uh, I, I liked it. Uh, I think I, you know, liked it more. I have to admit uh, that, Episode two was like Nathan centric, so I I think I gave it four stars. I think this was a, be- a better ep- episode overall. I really liked the romance, you know, having a little hint of romance in the story. That that was nice. It had its shares of laughs with a little romance. Last week we didn't get enough laughs really, which was uh, you know s- some of the best lines were like angry lines. I really enjoyed it. This episode pretty much cemented Audrey's role of, you know, fixing the trouble and, and she and how much she likes these weird cases and doing it. It's, yeah. It's really, really good, really good episode. And at some point we'll talk about uh, the actor that plays Ray. He's pretty neat. Well, you can just say it now. It's uh, Lyric Bent, right? He was in Saw 2, 3, and 4. Was he just Lieutenant Rig or like Lieutenant Commander Rig or something like that? He was a SWAT leader. Right. I uh, I haven't seen him in so long that I I, I would I didn't recognize him from him. You're you're the big Saw fan. I've seen them all <laughs> with you, for the most part. But you, and, you, and don't I do. for, you don't forget shoulders like his. They're freakish. Yeah. The 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 creators mentioned that you know he's you know you first see him he comes walks into a room he's kind of intimidating but oh, then yeah. you meet him and he's like the nicest guy in the world <laughs> he's got like the they, they say like the brightest smile and things things of that nature for him i knew you would know him from saw yeah surprise surprise he doesn't things don't go well for him in saw um he, he, he doesn't actually play the guitar he yeah. does he doesn't he oh doesn't. he doesn't i was like no. i thought i was like because they kind of face him away from the camera so i was like i bet he doesn't right. even play the fucking guitar yeah it was uh but i think that's a cool name that he he should be like you know that's he's born with a perfect hip-hop name lyric bent lyric bent oh my god yeah that was does he, he play any of the other instruments like piano or i don't believe so and yeah. i didn't read it anywhere that he did everyone should have a hip-hop name you know in case you ever make it yeah <laughs> Do you have a hip hop name? I need to use the Wu Tang name generator. Is oh, what I need to do. See, no, see, I, I I've already got a hip hop name and I tested it out. Oh you know? God, here we go. What is it? <laughs> so it's 2015. I'm in Austin at South by Southwest, and uh, my, my friends Ashley and Doug that I went with, we were uh, we were going to restaurants, and we kept noticing that people with certain wristbands were getting like faster service and that, and we mm-hmm. found out they got wristbands for people who were in bands so yeah. we started going around telling everyone we were in uh in a band you know we were a sausage party which was before the movie came out <laughs> you know rogan and them came out but then i was like there was a lot of you know there's a lot of hip-hop at, at south by southwest so i had to come up with you know my, my hip-hop name you know it's like uh, white cheddar oh did anyone buy it not the white cheddar one and that uh, you know <laughs> another surprise that- for sure I'm Caucasian. I'm from Wisconsin, America's Dairyland. It makes you know. It makes sense. You know, cheddar. Some people call it cheddar slang for money. You know, I, you know. Oh. I just I can't rap. That's the problem. You guys should have brought the recorder, like Ray Lyric Bent did in the show. Do you notice oh. that? Like he of all the instruments he pulls out on the boat, one of them's 
the fucking recorder and i was like okay you yeah. really you have a guitar and like probably some like you know it looks like a tambourine or something you're really gonna be playing the rec- who wants to hear the recorder <laughs> yeah it's every a- third grader's instrument okay is a recorder well, as, as the creators uh, dubbed it, the recorder of doom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like this episode a lot more than episode two. As we talked about last time, I wasn't super into episode two. I remember back in the day, it feeling not, I wasn't, I, I, it kind of took me out of the show a little bit. I think this one is a much better representation of the show. But as we talked about a little before we started recording, episode two originally used to be episode four. So it jumped the order from four to two. And this one was originally episode two. That's now three. It's super confusing sounding out loud. But I think episode two does a lot of dirty work that the pilot didn't do. The pilot, the pilot made sure that it was entertaining was its like number one goal. And then episode two does a lot of the kind of like expositional dirty work of setting up what this show is about that this episode doesn't really have. So I definitely see why that one jumped to episode two to get that stuff out of the way. But this one is more to me representational of the relationships, uh, the fun of the show, the kind of crazy uh, troubles characters run into. And it's just funnier, like you said. I totally agree that's funnier. It's more enjoyable. Uh, it's more adventurous feeling. Versus two is a bit like edgy. It's a little, too, it's a little, it takes itself, I think, a little too seriously sometimes. Or is this one felt appropriate? Appropriately dark, but like, which wasn't very much. Yeah, What's the, up? the, 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 Ernst and Dunn wanted to wanted to make it darker, actually, but they got pushed oh, back from yeah. the networks and studios. So I, I gotta actually agree with the network and studio. Usually, I'm not. Usually, I'll you know almost always be like, yeah, you know, the writers and directors are like, you know, listen to them. But I'd actually say I agree that I like this one for being more fun. I think it's just a better all around episode. But like I said, I understand why uh, Butterfly became episode two to do that expositional dirty work for show as a whole. Make, make all, all the heavy lifting on, on Nathan's uh, episode. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, and this will happen commonly in their episodes uh, of, as Haven goes on, is that, you know, there's not a real true villain. The doc's not a villain. The doc just, you know, the doc seriously wants to help these people and prevent you know, Alzheimer's and other types of conditions. He can't help his response to it. We he can't, we, he can't help how he uh, does his uh, experiment, but uh, <laughs> right. And then Ray, he's not a true villain. I mean, he's this guy who's crushed by causing this debilitating condition up for his wife. Audrey seems to always find a way to be able to fix the situation and get, get a happy ending. And then we also got our first, you know, kind of big, big nugget regarding the uh, the main case of the Colorado kid. We got a name, Lucy. I think that was very important. We really didn't get anything like that in yeah. uh, episode two. Well, though. we had to get the the troubles, right? They had to like establish, because episode one, the agent mentions troubles, but he doesn't call it the troubles, right? That's kind of this episode. That was episode two, setting up that, oh, these afflictions happen to a bunch of people in town. They're maybe curses, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Like, and then three gets to have fun. Right. I, I believe the first time I watched episode one, you know, back in the day, I probably didn't, I don't think I took anything out of him. Yeah, maybe she can help you with your troubles. You know, right, right. You so. wouldn't if you hadn't seen it before. Yeah. So I think one thing about the episode that didn't really jive with me was Duke wanting to come along, Right. He offers the information of where the Caprice is in exchange for being able to join along in the adventure, but it felt like just a really thinly veiled excuse to have Duke there, uh, you know, rather than giving a good explanation. Like what I thought was that maybe he's been looking for 
like if he had been looking for something like the, he knew the caprice or you know no new by uh, nearby boat had like a, a little lockbox a treasure or like contraband that he like wanted as a smuggler or something or fake passports whatever he you know does but he's just kind of there and he's just kind of standing around a lot of the time and he, the, you know and he just wanted to know about the troubles but i don't know he strikes me as the type of guy that uh, the concerns of the town aren't really his concerns it's he's very self-centered and like he's supposed to be self-centered and dastardly you know, yeah. you know but in the same in the same token and the way i kind of see it is uh, at the end of the episode audrey has her conversation with do what it becomes what after combining those two scenes it seems to me that he was figuring out that the troubles were coming back and i think he i think he thought that before he, they wanted to go to uh, the shipyard to get the Caprice. Uh, and that's, I think he wanted to know what was going on. Truly wanted to know what was going on because the troubles were back. Because if, he, if he's known Nathan since he was five, he knows when Nathan was afflicted, you know, with the troubles and all yeah. of that. So maybe, because, and you think about maybe uh, practicality for smugglers, you know, troubles are back. That might bring heightened police attention to things, might make my job a little harder to do. So there could be a kind of a career aspect to it. Maybe there is a heart underneath there in Duke that he, for his hometown. Eh. Nah. Okay. Not but he looks me. good with no shirt. So. I was going to say, maybe that's what his trouble is, is that he can't wear a shirt when he works. You got to get the cheesecake. You know, I guess we had Audrey and just her shirt, you know, with, without any pants on the first episode. So it's only appropriate. We get Duke working out without a shirt and he looks good, but you know, we were both talking about how guys that work on ships, like one, he's carrying like heavy wooden crates and stuff. There's maybe nails sticking out of them. There's like splinters and stuff. You don't want to be shirtless when you're lifting that stuff around. Like you want some gloves on and, uh, and a shirt. And who works on a ship that looks like that? So, you know, uh, back when this originally aired at, at that time, Duke was a shirtless guy of the week on the internet. So he won, he won that vote. Had that uh, kind of like ab V thing going on like uh, D'Angelo did back around 2000. You're, you won't remember that. He was an R&B singer and he, you know, just some people it was a controversy. He did, did a video of him singing kind of looking naked, but they cut it right, you know, at the V sort of thing. And he was like, became a sex symbol for everyone. So, and then once again, Eric Balfour was the spokesperson for uh, Valentino five at this time. So he's doing all these ads, but yeah, the true practicality of moving boxes with, uh, you know, without, without a shirt and all that, you're, you're going to rip a nipple off or something. And so, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe they didn't add a nipple piercing. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you, you know, I've, it, it's like when the tattoo phase came back and I started like in the early 2000s, I'd, I'd like see some lady in her, uh, you know, in her mid sixties, you know, sporting some new ink and I'd be like, come on now, you're, you're waiting until retirement now. now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. What if she had a career? She couldn't, but she always wanted to. I could see, That makes sense. I met her at work. She was still working. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about was the director of the episode was Rachel Talele. I believe uh, that's how it's pronounced. I remember recognizing the name once I saw it, looked her up, and she has directed a bunch of, like, really good stuff. She started, you know, she's done Dead Zone episodes, so that's probably how the showrunners met her. Um, there's this episode called, or show called Touching Evil, and I'm pretty sure you and me watched it. I just don't remember. I remember I we we watched it, but I don't remember much about it. Uh, same boat, same boat. Yeah. I, you know, I, I bet you if I read the re, read up on it, yeah. I, I would remember it, but she's done a lot of great stuff. Yeah, did um, some episodes of your favorite show, Kyle XY. She did an episode for Flash Gordon. Remember the sci-fi Flash Gordon show? We tried watching it, both of us, like, but I don't think we got very far because, uh, 
there will not be a Flash Gordon rewatch pod from us. No, that uh, will not be happening. The, the biggies <laughs> are Doctor Who uh, working on two Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And uh, she worked on American Gods, which I loved. I loved American Gods. Right. I, I got to hold her accountable for Iron Fist, though. That it hot looks garbage. like she's just doing a, you know, it looks like she did a CW run on Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Riverdale. And then uh, I was doing a Netflix run with Iron Fist, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That's pretty good. And then uh, people got to pay bills, so I, I get that. You know, I you know I remember Patrol? Michael Caine, Michael Caine, Michael Caine's uh, roles in the in the eighties. What do you say? I've never for Jaws: The Return. I think he said I've never seen it, but I've seen the garage I paid for, and it is lovely. Uh, still no Dave or Vince in this episode, and no, no disappointed. No, yeah, no Chief either. But we had him last episode, so it was a substitute of chief to and i don't feel like we needed the chief we were good off of what we got but uh yeah still we're still missing that dave vince connection yeah. and, and see dave and vince and chief are kind of key to unlocking some of the mystery yeah so we like i said they get they threw us a bone with mr speary a flower guy telling her her uh, telling her the name lucy not knowing how there could be what relation there is so we got that and that that, that was good but yeah we need we need Vincent Dave. They also provide some comic relief with their bumbling and their and their bickering, which is kind of mm-hmm. kind of fun. And even in the Colorado Kid, they did tease each other. Speaking of teasing, what did you think of the singing part in the operation room? Which I guess we didn't really say in the summary when we were summarizing the episode. But once uh, Ray wakes up and Lily runs to him, you know she's she's beginning she's getting closer to fading back to you know being crippled with her OCD. But she explains that he can't continue to do this, and she, and he basically has to let her let her go because she can't keep hurting people, and he's he's broken up, and he, he so she starts singing him a song, you know, kind of to, to soothe him. Till she reverts, right, right, reverts back. But what? So the singing though is like maybe worse than uh, "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" <laughs> like the singing in that from George Clooney. I don't know if that was possible. But, well, uh, it's not. It, it's so uh, the song, the full, the full song is by a duo called Sweet Talk Radio from up from up there, and that's not the the singer. Uh, it, it, the the singer uh, surprise it's a it's a second singer for for that song and then the same song is played at the end right 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 but But, it's the actual song by the band sweet talk radio right right but the like lip syncing thing yeah where so she's singing but it's clearly not the audio from the episode it's the song just from the recorded track that she's like lip syncing to and it just looks fucking horrible uh, yeah, i tried not to pay attention to it to let it uh, take away from uh, you know the beauty of the moment yeah. it totally took me out of the moment i was i okay. was like oh i'm you know i'm really this is such a tragedy like i'm enjoying this so much oh you know whoa uh, you know <laughs> then you're kind of uh, you kind of start feeling like almost like you're watching like i like a hong kong movie brought to america with like just a horrible dub or something you're like oh you know no 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 like just have her really sing please like like cast cast an actress who could sing uh and maybe yeah. she could it maybe something happened in post we don't know and the dub singing not a good look to me yeah i, yeah, I mean that, that that is that's a fair point it's a fair point yeah i think i go easy on the character you know, of ray because you know because uh, i feel how painful it must be to have caused the downfall of, uh, of the love of his life that's uh, yeah and obviously the part we said we had 
talk about more with the just doctor's absolutely ridiculous plan in the lab with deciding to spill all of the chemicals at once. Because you see him loading up the train. He's got a couple of little cups of it. And then the giant, the, the comical glass beaker it makes it look like, I don't know, it's like from like Dexter's lab or, you know, <laughs> or fucking, you know, like pinky in the brain or something. And he's got his like comical beaker. Is it a beaker or is that the... Wh- the one that's more closed, like a beaker. Flask? That's our, is that what it is? A flask? I think you're right. An er, 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 Erlenmeyer flask or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, chemistry has been much longer away from me than you. I didn't do too well in chemistry. Uh, neither did I. So uh, I, there was actually discussed in the commentary of it. And when it was, I thought it was like kind of comical. Uh, and when it happened, I was like, oh, they're making a, making a play at Dr. Jekyll and, you know, and Mr. <laughs> Hyde. But, you know, they mentioned in the commentary as well. And in the commentary, they're like, you know, it's actually, he's locking Audrey out so she can't get hurt by it. Or, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or affected by it if it happens again. So he's trying to be safe, even though he does it in a pretty preposterous and silly, silly way. Just looks fucking stupid. He like takes the tray of all the chemicals. I was like, well, don't you want to slams it? And you're gonna fucking wreck this whole lab? Aren't you in a like mental? In- aren't you in a mental institution? You could we could like be like, hey, I'm gonna try it on me. Lock me in the padded cell padded or whatever. Cell room, you're right. like strap me to the bed and we'll try it out. You know. There could there could have been uh, more thought put into into it's, that piece instead of, it. of like hey check the door like they 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 they're very happy with how the actor played the doctor oh they he was good he maybe. he was really convincing when you'd see him not in a like roid rage he looked like you know a total like nerd scientist doctor guy and then looked com- like a completely different person when he was like off his rocker whoever they picked they had a, got a good guy to display nerd rage. During during that scene before it goes haywire and he locks Audrey out, he's got a he, he's got a great line. He talks about a, a few centuries ago, scientists were convinced the Earth was flat because everything they saw was flat. But was it? No, they were just afraid to open their eyes and sail. So you know, and, and that comes into play later, and that's how Audrey convinces him to let the patients leave with Ray on the boat. So yeah. Um, so, but is is that even true that people a couple hundred years ago thought Earth was flat? We got NBA players who think it is not. <laughs> Did you think this was a good place to drop the Lucy information here at the end of episode three? Is this too much too fast? Because, you know, pilot, you know, we're given all the information, the premise of the show. Episode two is about the troubles, kind of. And then episode three, you know, now we get this Lucy information. Did you feel like, you know, hey, why is, you know, we're we're revealing a little too much information or did you feel like maybe this isn't even enough? Like, we're like, yeah, well, what does it, this even it, mean? It's tough because, you know, giving a, a name, a, a, you know, when, when you know something's name, you know, that you have power over it. Na- name is very powerful. I thought maybe it was too early for, for the, the, the name myself. I thought I would have waited way longer into the season and some other pieces to it. And, and I think that's part of the, we, we don't have the, we don't have the Teagues here and the Teagues often are able to assist and, and provide pieces to it. So, but I mean, it's great. I, if you said don't have it at all or have, and, and the name is something that kind of does spark hope. There is more to this person. Yeah. Kind of name. Yeah. I, I like it, but I thought it could have, should have been a little later in the season, a different type of uh, Colorado kid. Uh, reveal but i think it was fine because it does still doesn't tell us really much it's just like a name it wasn't like oh you know she was uh (laughs) 
you know, she was a race car driver. Like, you know, you don't really find out anything like significant, just that she's named Lucy because in the next episodes, she can still be looking up a Lucy and Haven from 83 and still not find anything out. Right. The writers can kind of kick the can down the road without having to actually like, cause it'd be different if they were like, Oh, you know, here's like her, you know, official, you know, here's her social security number. Then it'd be ridiculous if, you know, right. Audrey can't get anywhere with this information. But just the name Lucy, it's still like something that we can still kind of like, they can drag out. But it's enough for us, the audience, to be like, oh, okay, well, we got a little something. Yeah, and Vince and Dave know more than they're letting on to. Well, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, do we really know? Because we haven't even seen them. We know. But we haven't seen yes. them since episode one where they're riding their fucking tandem bicycle. Tandem bike. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever ridden a tandem bicycle? I have not, and I really don't yeah, have either. to. I have ridden one of those, uh, what, one of those bar paddle, oh, paddle yeah, bars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Downtown Denver. Uh, that, that wasn't good. Do you think Vince and Dave have been on a pedal bar? No, no. It's too cold <laughs> up there most of the year. So they, <laughs> they could have taken a vacation to Florida. They're old. They, they'd like Florida. Well, not I now, got, but you know. I got a feeling if they took a vacation to Florida, they probably want to stay there. Okay. Yeah, probably yeah, never I'll, come back. Never go back because uh, what once you once you get a taste of life without those winters. <laughs> There's yeah. no coming back. Uh, you, you don't remember. You're too young, but you were born up there. I was stationed up there. You know, and being from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I, I know me some cold winters. But I'm <laughs> telling you, you get a nor'easter, that is some bad stuff to deal with. It is so cold, and the ocean air is even worse than lake air. There's a reason why uh, I didn't go back to Massachusetts after I left the Army <laughs> or Wisconsin. All right. Were there any other uh, notes you wanted to? Well, just a couple things. Uh, it, might have mentioned already is that, you know, I like this episode cements Audrey's role of fixing the troubled. That's, you know, one of the, the central things and that, and that she likes it. We didn't know if we didn't know already, Nathan's a mess in his head and heart because that's what comes out while he's rampaging. You know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a mess inside. He's, you know, broken, broken man to an extent. And I hope he doesn't make any more horrible college jokes. I mean, that joke when they're like, oh, yeah, that I've never bad. seen worse than this. I have. I went to college. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And I like that Audrey even just gives him the look like that, that, that blows. Stop. Yeah. And Nathan and Duke continue to have their issues, but the fact that Duke calls Nate really tells me they used to be close at one time. So I, once again, I'm still curious what drove them apart, you know, but it appears the grudge is much deeper on Nathan's side because Duke, it's calling him Nate. So he's somewhere in there, I, you know, I, and I might be reading way. So that might be like insulting, it. right? Maybe he's a guy who like, you know, is like a call, Nathan's Nate. my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't call me Nate. And, you know, dude calling him Nate's like a, could be a poke, you know. But I, I know it all comes out down the road, what, what the enemy between them is, but I just can't remember what it was, which is good. That'll make this yeah. experiencing. I'm glad Duke was back. He is a douche, but his humor and goofiness balance things out, especially, especially when Nathan's going to be kind of in a prick mode or a rage mode type of thing. We got our usual formula, uh, you know, find a potential trouble, mistakenly think it's one person, then another person, but we're finally finding the actual person. We uh, got our usual happy ending where Audrey fixes the troubled person and sets them off on their dream happy ending. So uh, it's kind of the formula they're setting up. I think most of the time they're going to stick to it. And uh, as we go along, my my bad. (laughs) Finally, we got the nugget on Audrey's, you know, got got a nugget on Audrey's case. So 
And that was important because you have to give us snippets of the underlying story while, while we go through the troubled procedural. Otherwise, it's just a monster of the week and, and we're going to grow bored and lose interest. So We mentioned it in the summary, but I just wanted to say real quick that like definitely, because I, I think they use it in previews a lot. The Duke saying, does Audrey know you're a real boy? And doing the elongated nose shape is uh, probably my favorite moment of writing so far in the show. Just because it's such a dick thing to say, it's funny and it's telling. It just expands on their relationship, I think, in a in a way. It's it's how do I say this? So when you're writing, you want to compound as much information as you can into as small of lines as possible. It's all about economy of space, right? It's about how can I say five or six topics with four words or whatever. And I think that line is one of the most, you know, what's the phrase? Economic, economic, like it's one of the best, it's one of the best uh, uses of their space in such a compacted line. Tells you exactly who Duke is. Uh, Nathan not really responding tells you exactly who Nathan is. And it kind of gives you this great hint of their relationship, which is also another thing you would have to expand upon. And Nathan's like trouble. Uh, right. And, and, and what, what was the shot he was taking? Was it just that he was troubled? You know, you're not a real boy because you got troubles? Or does his trouble, since he can't feel things, could that be, you know, was he making a funny sexual uh, insult at him? You know? Maybe he didn't really go to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows what it, what it was? But, uh, but it was great. That was one of the best scenes. And, and the way he does the, the nose is really well done. I mean... I wonder how practiced it was. I wonder if they did like, you know, because I hear like David Finch on his movies, he does like upwards of like uh, 70 takes for shots. I wonder if they were like over and over. Did they say anything in the commentary about it? Nothing about it. They just, uh, they they chuckled at it. The the thing they were most proud of was the was the graffiti on the the sign at the freddy uh they the creators and uh the writers they thought that was the uh you know the funniest graffiti ever in any show or any movie and what did it say again come for the food stay for the drugs they did they they left and got on the boat <laughs> at least <laughs> yeah. at least three of them did at, at the end now the thing to note is you know, they were preparing them chicken salad sandwiches, which is pretty good. Who doesn't like some chicken salad? At the end of every episode, we do a little segment on something different. Like I said earlier before, last episode, we did a little thing on the intro. And this time, we kind of wanted to talk about the man who brought us the novella, uh, the Colorado Kid, and talk about some of just him in general, Stephen King. So we got some, like, facts, stats, and cool trivia questions. We'll... uh be asking each other, but we're going to have one for you guys, the audience that we're going to ask. And uh, we hope you can answer it. And we'll ask that kind of towards the end. But first, Stephen King, uh, obviously one of America, maybe the world's great, uh, most prolific writers. Uh, I've heard people question his quality, but I think it's uh, unfounded criticism, to be honest. Uh, He's written 61 novels, 11 collections, five nonfiction books, and 15 other which includes the novellas, uh, a play, a music video, and a bunch of other kind of interesting little projects. He's worked comic books, a bunch of, you know, little things he's worked on over the years. Uh, I'll take exception to people who decry the quality of his writing. Those are people who are just hating because of the genre, personally. I think he's one of, you know, a technical writer. Are there better? I'm sure, sure there are plenty. 
but uh, there's not an author who can, who creates characters and makes you care about them as well as he does. He's, he's a character, uh, a creator of character. And that's, that's what he's known for. I mean, I first really fell in love with it, with the stand. I mean, I I still, to this day, it's my favorite book of all time. Uh, Favorite book, you know, by the time I got to the end of the stand, when certain characters would meet their untimely demise, uh, I, you know, even had a little, little tear in the eye. And this was when I was 18. (laughs) So I was, you know, a lot, a lot more callous back then, that that sort of thing. Not as nice (laughs) as I am now. No, I just yeah, it always bugs me when they when they like oh he's not he's just a horror writer he doesn't yeah write so it's definitely yeah, people I, who haven't read his stuff really. There's certain things he's done in specific works that I, I didn't necessarily like, but I still <laughs> Buick <go over>. eh, <laughs> yeah no, I, Dark Tower and yeah, I know you haven't read the Dark, Dark Tower so I'm finished not gonna go, finished go, go, haven't finished the Dark Tower I'm not gonna go into that there's some um, things I don't there's some things I don't like about it for sure and uh, yeah. but he's still hands down my favorite writer you know the only one who i probably hold even you know close to just personally is brandon sanderson but that's just a whole nother world you know yeah that's, yeah that, that's fantasy king does things uh, the only thing i pick on him for he comes up with the dumbest names you know, <laughs> for things and, and and dumb expressions you know uh, yeah he's done f- 49 movies adapted from his work he has done uh well not he's done but there's been 26 tv shows based off of his and this is just the ones completed there's a ton i think i looked at the list and it was like 10 movies currently in production or pre or post-production even getting ready to be released that are king movies it was like eight or like so king based tv shows coming out soon 19 sequels that are based off his properties that he had that aren't from his stories so like pet cemetery 2 uh, Children of the Corn 2 and uh, the very long list leading off. Uh, most of these are just Children of the Corn sequels, but there's a bunch. There's 19 sequels based off of stuff he didn't, uh, you know, off his original property that are new stories. I don't know if this one's true. I found this list, but I I doubt the accuracy of the number is that apparently he's done 24 cameos in film and TV, which I actually think is probably higher than what they got. I bet it's a little higher than 24. Oh, well, yeah. It's, I personally think he insists he has to be in his own his own works when they get... Uh, Wouldn't you? Over. I already told you. <laughs> I'd be the sixth Backstreet Boy. So, uh, yeah, he's in the stand at the end. Yeah, he, he well, plays he's t- Teddy. Yeah. He's Teddy. Hey, look, Stu's back. Hey, look. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't want to tease him because he's literally my favorite author. I respect and admire him so much. So. Yeah, we need him as a guest, so don't insult Oh, him. that would be amazing. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I listen to the old episodes. You making fun of me. He's making fun of Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's my out. That's my out. <laughs> Do you know what his play that he co wrote was not there's ones based off of his works like carrie had one a, a long time ago which i think they brought back in 2012 for a little bit uh, but this is a play he just he, he wrote uh, directly he, right? he co-wrote with john mellencamp huh Huh. Do you know the name of the play? I do not know that one. I, I do not. I do actually remember when it came out. Uh, I remember reading about it. I don't know anything about the play itself, but I do remember when it came out reading about it. Uh, I think there's a third writer, but I don't I don't think I recognize the name. The Most of the time, they're just like Stephen King and John Mellencamp. Uh, so it's called Ghost Brothers of Darkland County. Ghost Brothers of Darkland County? Uh, yeah, Darkland County. So I guess Darkland, Darkland. Dark okay, I, yeah. I have not heard of that. Uh-huh, I got you. I got you. Wow. Okay. Here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, he has a very specific phobia, you know, like, uh, you know how like arachnophobia, one of those phobias, like, do you know what his 
kind of biggest OCD fear is. It's pretty strange, and it's got a name that I don't know if I can pronounce it, to be honest. Oh, okay. I was going to say cats, just because. Oh, no. Uh, it's the number 13. Oh, really? Okay, boy. Uh, I did it's not know. Triskaidekaphobia? Triskaidekaphobia, I think. Uh, <laughs> so he says when he's writing, he never stops on the num- the page 13 or any uh, any variable at 13. Am I saying that right? Variable? Any like, you know, 26, 39 uh, onward. He doesn't, uh, he even has like pages up in like 300. I, I can't remember if it's 382 or something like that. He won't stop on that page. He'll keep writing until he gets to a quote, like safe number. Uh, I, I, I did not know that. And I... No, you would find that interesting because you love that movie 13. 13. The Jim, was it Jim Carrey movie? That's the number 23. Number 23. 13 shit. is uh, about the 13th Amendment, I think. Uh, well, that's just not a, too. Who it's a great, it? It's a great documentary, but I wouldn't say, I would say I like it, but not like, oh yeah. Like, I'm, I'm obviously to trying it. to cover my ass. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I messed uh, up there. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, so I when he's walking upstairs in his back stairs, uh, he skips the 13th step, goes right from 12 to 14. Okay, here's another. So King was... Uh, declared 4F for Vietnam. There's four reasons why he was declared 4F. Do you know any of them at all? Like, I'll give you, we'll give you points. Let's see how many you can get. You get four guesses. Let's see how many of the four you can get. Uh, His vision? Yep, that's one of them. He had limited vision. Limited vision. Uh, Flat feet? Yep, flat feet. That's two out of, you're two for two. I can't believe I got that many. Uh, (laughs) Something like scoliosis with his spine? No. Well, he didn't have okay. a back injury right till he got hit by the car. Dude, yes, got in '99. Crunched by a minivan. Yeah. Which he uh, bought. He bought the car. He's got enough money, man. Oh yeah, I think he said he was gonna hit it with sledgehammers. Seems very therapeutic to me. Yeah. So you're two for three. You got one more guess. Let's see if you can. So if you end three, if you end three out of four, that's seventy-five percent. That's a that's a pass. Hearing loss. Partial hearing loss. You got it. It's a punctured eardrum. Oh yeah. See, I. Wow, I, I I didn't know those. I really just guessed those out of his fourth know. was blood pressure. It was high blood pressure. Blood pressure. I feel you, Stephen. I can't remember. No. Yeah, I was okay. just looking at this. You know how you mentioned how he appeared on other uh, other shows. He, he appeared as uh, he appeared on Sons of Anarchy. I just saw. Yeah, as uh, no Bachman. Right? Bachman. Oh, that's apropos, huh? Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about Bachman in a minute. Uh, I had another question. So he's writing Misery. He's at a very. He's at. He buys a debt. I don't know if he bought it or rented it or was writing it somewhere. But he writes Misery at a very famous author's desk. Do you know which author, which famous author's desk he was sitting at while writing Misery? Raymond Bradbury. No. no. I'll, give, I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll give you three guesses. I'll give you three. Hemingway. No. So this would have been just for context. It came out in 1987. So obviously it wouldn't be anybody, you know, newer than, than 1987. So you've guessed, you've guessed uh, Bradbury and, and Hemingway? No. I almost actually just said the writer's name when I was about to get uh, <laughs> which would have sucked, but I didn't. So you have one last guess. John Steinbeck. No, it was Rudyard Kipling, the guy oh. who wrote the Jungle Book, who not only oh. wrote the jungle book at this desk but he died in the desk he was sitting at the desk when he died uh it didn't say if he was writing at the time but i feel like part of king's gimmick of you know haunted stuff and whatnot writing a book at a famous author's desk where he died yeah like like uh, trent Reznor living in uh, the house where manson the manson murders occurred or they murdered sharon tate did he i don't know how i feel I, about that oh no, no, i'm not saying that's cool i'm sorry i guess that's how it came out no no it's just it's, it's, a, it's an odd little thing yeah, yeah. A celebrity 
Do you do that on purpose or was it just like, Hey, this is a really good like recording house. I'll be honest. With you, I don't, I don't remember the the story. It was a long time ago when I read it and it was like in spin magazine. If I ever meet uh, the guy he records with Atticus Ross, I've met his son for like 10 seconds. I guess if it ever comes up next time I'm dropping pleasantries and that's it, I'll uh, try to sneak that question in. Hey, didn't Trent used to live in the uh, yeah. where they Yeah, I'll say Trent so he thinks I know. I'm like, yeah, me and Trent were hanging out the other day. We're hanging out, yeah, that. you know. Yeah, he's like a, lyrics, you know, for the next album. And, uh, oh, yeah, I know he's 50 and I'm 27. All right, we hang out all the time. Okay, here's another one. He wrote a music video called, well, I don't know if I should tell you. I feel like if, you, if I tell you the music video, you'll get it because you're pretty good with this stuff. He wrote a music video that's very long and uh, with a very, very famous, very, very famous artist do you know what it might I be i know he wrote a video with michael jackson oh, just, okay okay uh, so you got I, I do, yeah yeah i'm just I'm, I'm just trying to remember where was it thriller or was it uh, remember the time it's called ghosts ghosts oh yeah yeah i did read that i read that somewhere i don't i don't remember that video yeah i heard it was not popular that it dropped no. pretty quickly because uh, yeah i didn't think it was thriller because i i mean he wasn't like that i wouldn't say he was like at his uh had reached his zenith at that point yeah. in like uh, 84. What, what, you know, remember the time I wouldn't have expected him to have written that one because that <laughs> one's more, you know, it's got Eddie Murphy in it. And yeah, Ron, not and King so. style. No, I, I was like, so, but Ghost, I don't think I've ever seen the video. Now, you know, thank you, YouTube. I'll be looking for that. Okay, do you know what Stephen King's only out of print book is? The tr- Through the Dragon's Eyes? Eyes of the Dragon? Eyes of the Dragon? No. No. I, you, I mean, logic, you would think it would be one of his earlier, earlier novels and uh, Carrie. No, you can still find Carrie. That's in print. Come on. But if it's out of print, you know, explain why we don't really, you know, it's now it's not a it's not a not a popular one. Oh, I know uh, you're trying da- to look- dance macabre or whatever. No, dance macabre. That's uh that's the one of his nonfiction ones about uh, mm-hmm. writing horror in particular, which I've read actually. I really like dance macabre. I need to write read on writing. Okay. Text. You got oh, my three guesses. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Know. Yeah. The search through the gigantic archives of King novels. It's a rage. Which is technically a trick question because it's actually his first Richard Bachman book. Do you, know, do you know which one Rage is? I don't remember the story. If I heard the story, I'd probably know it. Yeah. So it's about a uh, kid who's frustrated and start and holds his classroom hostage and does a school shooting, basically. A school shooting that happened in 88 in California. Uh, the shooter attributed inspiration to Rage. So King... Mm-hmm. Let it drop out of print and out of circulation completely because he, you know, was not happy with that result and didn't want to be inspiring any other school shootings. Okay. And then Pearl Jam uh, wrote the song Jeremy and shot the the famous Jeremy video based on the same shooting, right? Sounds like it. Well, well, when was, when when did 10 come out? Right, right. And that was uh, 91-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Like 91. That's, uh, yeah. That's, I would have guessed around like between 90 and 92. Uh, Yeah. 91's right. Yeah, so pretty close. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But Eddie Vedder grew, grew up in San Diego, so it mm, makes total so he would sense. Know. Okay, next question. King released the first ever mass market ebook in 2000. Uh, there are problems with hackers. Eventually, there well, event, essentially there were problems with being able to download it. And you know, back then we obviously didn't have Kindles or iPads and all that, and smartphones. So people had trouble reading it also on their computer. Um, but you were a savvy internet user in 2000 with dial-up so maybe you would know and then eventually hackers got the files and were able to release them for free which pissed king off uh but do you know the name of the book dolores claiborne no it's called riding the bullet oh i have heard of this 
This next one isn't there. Uh, this one doesn't have a question to it. I just thought it was a fun story. It was uh, so Stephen King was writing a story called The Plant. I don't know if you know about this. It was in a it was a an epistolary story. So which I had to look up. An epistolary story is like a story told through documents, files. Right? It's not a direct first person or third person account. Right? You're not reading like I was walking down the hall or he was walking down the hall. It's you reading like a police report of a situation and you're putting these documents together to create like to figure out what the narrative of what happened is so it was uh supposed to be an ebook exclusively where it originated was he would instead of sending christmas cards out to friends and family he would write these weird little like chapters these epistolary chapters and send them out to people like mail them and so they were just random little tidbits of stories that they would then have to like i don't know i don't know if he sent each person like you know like Oh, you know, Christmas 1987, like I'm sending everybody chapter one and then 88 chapter two, that, you know, business. But eventually they started releasing them as eBooks and uh, he was releasing them in chapters, parts. And he was saying that he put them up for free online, but you had to pay a dollar on the honor system. So you download it and then he would be like, yeah, you can download it for free, but I need you to pay a dollar afterwards on honor. Uh, And if it drops below 75% of people paying the $1 for each chapter, I'm going to stop. During chapter two, it drops to 70%. But for chapter three, it rises back up to 75%. But unfortunately, the plan only ever got to chapter six before uh, the down, the payments dropped too low. And then he was disappointed in the fans and stopped releasing the plant. So the plant is actually an unfinished story that I think you can still find chapters one through six online, but there never will be an ending to the story because uh, the people wouldn't pay the $1 on the honor system for it. I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. I, I, bl- I believe in artists being compensated for, for their art. Okay. I got one last question. I don't know if you'll, I don't think you'll be able to get this because it's a pretty... One I didn't even know about. So we know about Richard Bachman. For those who don't know, Stephen King created a it's a uh, it's a it's a pen name. Yeah, yeah. It's- named Richard Bachman. Who originally he said that he will. I think it was two things. One, his publisher wouldn't release more than one book a year because they were saying that there's just not a market for a uh, people won't trust if an author is releasing more than one book a year. They'll think the quality is lower. Right. They'll think it's just like some you know uh, hard crime case dime you know like crime novel. So they they limited him to one a year. So he created Richard Bachman to be able to release a second book every year. But he also said his secondary goal also was to, he was curious if uh, his career had just been luck, right? Had he just been in the right place, right time, right book, you know, right everything, and it all fell into place, or is he truly talented? So with Richard Bachman, that gave him the opportunity to have an alias where he could write books and to see how successful they would be and ra- and whether or not he was actually a good writer or just lucky. Um, So his first book as Richard Bachman was Rage, which is now out of print. Uh, But he went on to do a bunch until, was it 2007 or 9? Richard Bachman died of cancer to the pseudonym. Right, because uh, someone, uh, some reviewer was dogged enough to dig down and went to the Library of Congress and uh, found found that Richard Bachman was, you know, tied back to Stephen King. So he, he killed him off, but he did bring him back. Okay. So yeah, my question was then going to be, do you know the name of the guy? So he was a bookstore owner, actually. He was a bookstore owner in Washington, D.C. Uh, and one day he was reading Richard Bachman and realized that the who the book was dedicated to and uh, the writing was similar to Stephen King. So he went to the Library of Congress, found out Richard Bachman books are you know, actually written by Stephen King. He called the publisher to ask, what should I do? King called him up personally, said, hey, you know, why don't you write an article about it and you can interview me for it since you figured it out. Do you know the guy's name? God, no, no. 
No. <laughs> I mean, I remember when Bachman was killed off. I just don't, yeah. I, I don't remember. Lizzie's story he was killed off in or for? It was Blaze. That's right. Blaze, yeah. Okay, so Richard Bachman's books were Rage, The Long Walk, Roadwork, The Running Man, which got turned into a movie, Thinner which I think is a movie now or getting released soon. Um, they collected all as the Bachman books. And then he did the regulators, which was a uh, kind of tie into uh, desperation. Right. And then right. the final book blaze, I want to say was supposed to be posthumous, right? He was like supposedly dead at that point. Uh, and then like somebody found the book. Hey, like Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter was kind of a similar thing that they found. The- yeah, exactly. they after he died, uh, they found the the, the the ancient tomes describing uh, Lincoln's vampire hunting days. Uh, honest Abe, wielding the axe. Okay, so the guy's name was probably, you know, not a unique name. I don't know if you, <laughs> it's nothing like you'll, that'll probably stick in your memory. His name was Steve Brown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think of UPS, there you go. Or a proctologist, yeah. So everybody knows that Stephen King is a big music fan. I mean, you see quotes from, uh, you know, from various classic rocks, rock songs throughout his, uh, throughout his books. I mean, would the stand be the stand without uh, Blue Oyster Colts, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper? So getting, getting back to that, he loves music so much that he plays in a band. Can you tell me what the name of his uh, all-star band he performs in? Uh, so I don't know the name of the band, so I'm just going to have to take some shots in the dark. I hope it's after his Maine connection, so I'll guess the town he uses a lot in Maine. We'll guess, uh, we'll guess the Bangers. For banger main i think that'd be it <laughs> i like it uh, i like it you know a the, gang of bangers not trying to say anything just well geez. all right uh what uh now we know uh, i'm just gonna leave that one alone well, I mean, you've you read it yeah oh well yeah yeah that's true uh i don't want to say too much with the hopes of still getting steven to c- come on the show and uh, not get reported uh, to the fbi uh yeah yeah <laughs> and we don't want to start an investigation now I, I like the way you're thinking it's the rock bottom remaining yeah, it's a super group of uh, writers. Like Dave Barry, the comedic writer, Ridley Pierce, Scott Turrell, Amy Tan, very famous writer, James McBride, and Mitch Album uh, might still be with the Detroit uh, newspaper. You know, Matt Gronig, I'm pretty sure he's uh, on The Simpsons. I mean, yeah. there's a bunch of other got folks. Uh, well, I don't think I was ever going to get that one. That one's tough. I, I'd heard of it. I've actually seen seen videos on that, and uh, you know. The, they, they just rock out. I think, I think it's cool. Uh, you know, creative people don't have to be restricted to just one thing. You can do more things. Are they going to, you know, are they going to win a Grammy? No, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. I just think it's kind of cool. Respect that he does it. Then for my second question, we'll save this one for the, for the listeners, is uh, uh, everyone knows Stephen King's name is Stephen King, but did you know his father changed his last name? So can you tell me what is Stephen King's father's last name? All right. So email us with your answers. I think that's going to be it for this episode. But we're going to be back in a week for episode four. Another discussion on Haven. We'll give you the answer to the Stephen King question. Uh, I know the answer only because he told me, but let's see what you guys find out. And if you want to email us the answer to that, you can reach us by email at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. So that's troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. 
Um, you can watch all our episodes and find out news about what's going on at our website, troubledpodcast.com. So it's just troubled podcast. Uh, there's a lot of complications with what Gmails are available. I don't know who's taking troubled podcast or troubled or Haven podcast, anything like that. Someone's taking those names. Uh, could, someone could have a drinking problem and they want to have a <laughs> podcast about drinking problems. There's all kinds of troubles. In yeah. uh, we're also on Twitter. So you can follow us at Haven's Troubled. Once again, I don't know who's taking all these Twitter names. I couldn't find one with Troubled or Rewatch Pod. Someone had that. Someone had Troubled Rewatch Pod. Uh, so find us at Haven's Troubled on Twitter. That's a capital H on Haven and a capital T on Troubled. You can direct message us or tweet at us. The answer or anything else you want to say, um, you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to, like Apple Podcasts, Google, Podbean, Stitcher. And remember, uh, we're doing, we have a Patreon. If you want to follow us on that, if you like what we do and you're liking what you're hearing, don't be afraid to visit our Patreon. We do extra episodes right now once a month. Uh, it's called Troubled with Extra Syrup. And we got extra material, material for you guys there. The first episode we're doing this month is a full coverage on The Colorado Kid, the novella by Stephen King that Haven is based off of. So we're going to be going really in depth there. Uh, they're like a little short. They're going to be shorter than these episodes, but... Not by much. Um, so we'll be doing those once a month. We'll update you every, you know, episode to kind of tell you what's what's on the horizon. And if there's more you guys want, like if you guys want to do Q and A's or AMAs, uh, you know, message us. I, I don't know. I think it's a stretch even listen to us on a podcast. You know, we'll figure out if there's more to be done on Patreon for you guys. Uh, but I think that's it. Anywhere you can reach us uh, through all those places. Right. Um, well, if uh, any of them want, you know, to have like questions about embarrassing stories through your childhood, you know, we could do a segment on that if they send. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Send an email to fake email at blank.com <laughs> for that one. The number for that will be in the show notes. And I think that's all I got for you guys. Thanks, Alex. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening. And as we sign off here, uh, please come back next week. Please be safe. And most importantly, never let your troubles get you down. <laughs>